Welcome, welcome to the mission. Um, you guys know my name's Mark. Um, and for those of you who attend our church regularly, you guys might have been wondering where have I been for the past two, two uh, weeks. Um, I was actually out uh, working, uh, working uh, with... Uh, Diff, uh, three different conferences actually in the last two weeks. So I was, I was gone three days at a time. I actually saw my bed like two days out of two weeks. And, and so I've been, uh, I've been busy learning and, and growing myself and, uh, and uh, actually teaching as well in uh, communication work as well, as well too. So um, maybe, you, maybe you hadn't noticed that I've been gone and, and, or I'm, 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 maybe you were glad I was gone, but uh, my family's glad I'm back and hopefully you guys are all glad I'm back. I was actually reflecting back about um, about being gone, and I thought, and I realized that I haven't been away from the mission since it's been the mission for for two weeks ever. So, um, so it was really, it was really like feels like home to be back. So I'm really glad to be here, guys. Um, so. Again, I missed, missed the last two weeks of sermons, and I, I, I tried to catch up on the podcast, um, but it was like at night, and so I fell asleep. So I'm, it wasn't because of Chris at all, but um, but uh, but I know what the la- that the last two weeks we've we really kind of talked about those big battles in Joshua. Um, and if you've missed those at all, I, trust me, go back to the podcast. They're they're wonderful. Um, and, and uh, Chris talked a little bit about shame, and and that was that's something that we're going to kind of think about a little bit today as well. But um, the cool thing about Joshua is all the battles at the beginning, but as we kind of get to the end of those battles, today we're going to talk about what happens next. What, what do we do when the battles are over? Um, I hope you've had that develop this newfound understanding of, of this fear, fearless journey that God is calling us all towards in the battles of our own lives as we've kind of, as Daniel even talked about, um, really uh, focused on the fear in our own lives and how can we live fearlessly. Um, so today we're going to start to look at, again, what happens after these battles are over in our lives. Um, God has delivered the promised land to the Israelites, and then, you know, what happens next? When I was a kid, you know, after church on Sundays, my family had a tradition that we would go to Marie Callender's. Now, how many of you guys remember Marie Callender's? Anybody? Yeah. So there's a lot of people, and there used to be one in Redlands, but they, they closed it down. Um, I mean, it's kind of like the home of fresh strawberry pie. Anybody had that before? I mean, that was amazing, right? My dad would just say, you know, forget the pie part, like the crust, and he'd just say, give me the strawberries, and I'm going to pour some heavy cream on them, and he would just eat that for, uh, like, just, like breakfast. It was, it was crazy, but, um, but I loved Marie Callender's, and when I was a kid, uh, we would go after church, uh, we would go to Marie Callender's, and in those days, my parents were like ninja masters of getting out of Marie Callender's for less than $20, and one of the, one of the ways they did that was they made sure that my, my sister and I split our meal, right? And uh, maybe you guys have had this experience. So we loved the grilled cheese sandwich. Anybody with me? Maybe it was, yeah. Okay, so the grilled cheese sandwich, amazing at Marie Callender's. Um, there's still Marie Callender's in Azusa where we where I grew up. Um, so if you ever want to check out the, the grilled cheese sandwich. But so we'd order this grilled cheese sandwich and... Um, and the waitress would bring it to us, and she'd say, and, and so I'd it'd sit there between my sister and I, and you guys have to know my sister, she's very persuasive. Um, and she would, uh, you know, we'd kind of fight over who's getting which piece. Has anybody dealt with this? And so it was like, I always felt like 
it's not fair. I need the, I, I want the bigger piece and she would always win. And it just felt like, you know, we're trying to split this thing up. And I'm sure my parents were like, you guys are so ridiculous. I mean, we're, we're paying for you to, to go to, go out to eat and, and, and just, you know, live with it. So I'm going to give you guys a little parent, uh, parenting tip. Okay. Um, because this is what my parents did for me, for us. They, they finally just got sick and tired of, of hearing this bickering between my sister and I. And they said, okay, Mark, this is it. You choose which piece you want, okay? Because we're tired of hearing, um, you know, just complaining. And I was like, of course, thank you. I'm the oldest. I'm I'm growing, boy. You know, I need to I need to be strong, and I, I need I need the bigger piece. So I'd pick, you know, that beautiful piece of toasty, cheesy goodness, and um, and, and I'd say, yes, that's my piece. And 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 at the end of it all, my my mom would say, okay, Mark, so that's your sister's piece. You get the other piece, and I could never win. And it's just feel like. It's ridiculous. So, and as much as I think that sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm over that, right? I'm over my feeling like I haven't been given enough. You know, I, I think I'm enlightened and I've kind of gotten through all that. You know, honestly, I realize I still do this today. I, I, I still, despite all that my Heavenly Father has given me and blessed me with, um, you know, there's times where I, I'm tempted to believe I'm not smart enough, I'm, I, I'm not good enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not organized enough, I'm not talented enough, and, and, or I'm not good looking enough. Actually, I never think that. I, um, I, I, I have, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that. Um, so often I cheapen what God has given me by asking for so much more. And maybe you're like me and, and, and you forget that God's promises are from a place of abundance, from a place that, you know, he's given us so much, he, he didn't have to do that. And, uh, and we, we think of it as God's gifts are, are, are scarce or, or we're taking them from a place of scarcity. We sometimes think there's only so much to go around and we're getting the short end of the stick. Anybody with me on this? Um, you know, it just feels like, God, why didn't you give us more? Why didn't you bless us with more? But if you're like me, there's also this tension between being confident in what Christ has given us and yet then striving for God's purpose in our life. You know, it can get kind of confusing because we're called to be content and yet we're also called to, be, to not be complacent in, in where, we're, where we're at. There's this delicate balance between being content and being complacent. And this is the tension that we're going to kind of grapple with today, okay? How can we be content with our inheritance in Christ while continuing to grow to be who God has called us to be? And as we examine the life of Joshua, this incredible leader, this military leader, but he was also a leader of people, a leader of, of men. How can we inspire this same mindset in those that we actually influence as well? So, how can we be content in life while avoiding complacency? Brandon will bring that up. That's my, my ask of us today. And we're going to kind of examine Joshua. We're going to talk about this through the life of, um, of Paul as well um, as we kind of go through this, this question, this kind of tension between being good enough, being enough in Christ, and yet still striving for the next thing that Christ is calling us to. So how many of you in this room consider yourselves a leader? I, I'm a leader. Not very many. Wow, I see a few. The truth is, we're all leaders where we are. 
I mean, we may lead in our workplace. We may be, um, you know, for me, I'm a chief of my department. I, I lead uh, the clinician patient communication department in, in Southern California, Kaiser. But that's, it's titles. That's not really what a leader is. Leader is really about influence and influencing those around us. Um, you may be in your home a leader. You may be a parent. How many parents do we have in here? Me too. Um, so that, that may be your sphere of influence. Maybe you're just living at work and, and doing your job, but you can lead from where you are. See, being a leader, like Joshua's a leader, this is, this, is, uh, this is true for all of us. We're all leaders. And I believe we're all, again, called to lead from where we are. So some of you, like I just said, know that I'm a doctor and I work in the urgent care and, and um, I'm a chief of my department. And as leaders, we often have to take, make these difficult decisions and, and, and how to build those people up that we lead to be, to be content with their circumstances. Because everyone, at least me, maybe I'm just the only one, but everyone's always wanting more resources or they want more people to do the job or they, you know, as a leader, that, that can get a little old after a while and you start feeling like people are whining. But, but honestly, that's not true because we all do this. I'm, I, like I said, I, I do the same thing with God. I, I say I don't have enough. I need more resources. I need more time. I need more something. Um, but we're also called not only to, to help people feel content with what they have, but also improve themselves. And um, we also have to set boundaries on resources uh, and yet encourage each person to make the most of those, those abilities. If you can imagine my life, I, I, I took over this, this role as a chief in my department about two and a half years ago, and the, the Affordable Care Act was going to be going into effect January 1st of 2014 for all these new people that would be covered by, by, by healthcare and Medi-Cal. And that was, you know, that, whatever you believe about the politics of that, that was a big bolus of people that were going to be covered. And our job is to just take care of these people. And I'm the urgent care, so patients who've never seen a doctor, they just show up and say, hey, I, I, need, I need help. Um, so my department is in the, mi- in the mix of all of this, and we saw like 10, 15, 20% increase in our patient population January 1, 2014. And um, if you can imagine, my, the people that, I, that report to me are saying, we need more help, we need more people, we need more resources. And, and one of the things that I have to do is just kind of balance that. Like, I don't, it's not like I, I can pull out my checkbook and write, write a check. I, you know, we have to go through the processes. It's a big company that I work for. So it's not just easy like that. And so this is my... My, where I'm sitting in the middle of my leadership. So my staff still, to this day, like this is a year and a half later, they complain about the extra workload, they, these long lines of angry people who are waiting to be seen. You know, it's kind of this, it's a tough spot to be in. And I wish, as a leader, that I could give them more resources, actually. But there are constraints. There's just constraints on money. There's constraints on space in our in our buildings and, and so forth. So this is this constraint. But we often forget in these moments that there's sometimes there's a creative solution. Um, so for me in my situation, I actually uh, uh, am in the middle of making a change in our department. Um, and so 
you might be thinking this is this is crazy, but I'll, I'll tell you. Next month we are actually going to try something totally totally different in my department. We're going to actually do these telephone appointments uh, where where you know patients come check in at our front desk and we say, hey, if if it's something that we feel like we can take care of without actually having to see the doctor, we're going to save you having to wait for two hours. We're going to just give you a call on the phone and give you some advice over the phone. It's it's kind of crazy, and you might be thinking. I, and I, I, when I first heard the idea, I was like, oh, that was, that's nuts. That's, that's scary, scary to me. But um, it's a way that we might be able to see more people in the same amount of time with the same resources. And uh, so it's kind of an idea that came down from above. And I was scared. I was actually scared of it. Of it. And you guys might be thinking you should be scared of that because uh, that seems crazy. But, um, but I think the point of that story is really just that sometimes we have the resources right in front of us. And we just have to think of it a little differently and use them a little differently. So there's this tension there. There's a sense of, I don't have enough, and yet there's this other sense of, how can we use what we have to meet God's calling in our life? So we run a risk of being complacent with where we are and and just not seeking God's plan for growth in our life. That's, That's for all of us. So today we're going to talk about a scripture in Joshua. You guys may have read through Joshua. I don't know how many of you guys, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, okay? I'm sorry. But uh, there's a section in Joshua that I'm preaching on today that we're, that's kind of um, seven chapters, okay? It starts with chapter 11 and goes through uh, chapter chapter 19 with a couple chapters taken out, 14 and 15, sorry, it's very confusing. We, we, preach, out of, we preach out of a book uh, that, that, uh, that, we're, that we're looking at called Living Fearlessly, and uh, that's, the, that's the division that I got. So I got seven chapters to do today, so if you guys just settle in, we've got about three hours left. Um, actually, I promised Jason we'd get him out before the second half of the Packers game, so we're working on that. There's a Packers jersey back here, by the way, so... Um, so I'm just going to pick one little piece of, of this scripture, but it kind of points to this, this tension that we're talking about today. So in chapter 11, Joshua has led the Israelites through the defeat of the northern kings. And then he took, you know, he basically had taken the entire land. Now there was pockets of Canaanites who hadn't been, been uh, captured and so forth, and we'll talk about that later. But um, the text in Joshua 11, verse 23 says, Then the land had rest from war. There was a time of peace. You know, I, I can imagine as a as a soldier or in Joshua's army that this must have been, you know, kind of a tough time. I, I've never been in war. I've never really um, dealt with that. But I can only imagine they must have been so tired, and just that peace that kind of came over them, saying, "Wow, this is finished. We're now it's time to kind of take what God has given us and and to divide it up." So after Joshua begins to divide this inheritance of Canaan. It was split up amongst the tribes of Israel. And you guys remember the tribes, of it, the 12 tribes of Israel? Um, I can't remember them all by name. I, keep, I get them all confused. But, but there's, all, there's all these um, the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel. And, and he's splitting up the land that God, God had commanded them to, to, uh, to share amongst those 12 tribes. It's kind of like, you know, splitting up your grilled cheese sandwich with your sister. Um, there was a little bit of bickering sometimes. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. So if you've read these next chapters of, of Joshua, you kind of get this, this sense of that they're describing geography and genealogy all combined, and it just gets really confusing. I'm maybe the only one that gets confused. You guys may know like where the Hizazites and the Parasites and all these ites are living and where they go, but it's really, 
complicated for me. So I, I imagine it would be like telling somebody from the Midwest, like in Chicago or somewhere, and just just having them come to this church and saying, so we're going to divide up the land between the 215 freeway on the west and Hospitality Lane on the north and, you know, the border of Loma Linda and Redlands on the east and then uh, the hill country in the south. And I'm, and, and I'm going to give it to uh, Mark Ashley, descendant of Richard Ashley, who came from the tribe of Robert Ashley. You guys would be super confused if you came from Chicago and were like, what the heck are you talking about? That's what it feels like for me to read some of this and probably for you. Maybe you guys are, are a little better than me. But um, So if you can read through this like me, maybe you're just as confused and, and all the foreign towns kind of got you tripped up. But don't worry, the geography and the genealogy stuff, it's not as important as the stories and the kind of the cool stuff that you find, the little nuggets of truth that you find throughout that. So... Again, I'm just going to bring up a, a map here of, of the, the land that, um, that uh, Canaan was um, split up into. So this is actually from the days of Judges, which is right after Joshua, at least in the, in the order of the Bible. But, um, so if you can imagine uh, all of this land that are splitting up. There's Judah and Reuben and Simeon. These are all names of, of the tribes of Israel. Um, so the story we're going to talk about today in, in Joshua 17 is about these two tribes. They're actually under Joseph. Joseph um, had, had two sons, and they each got a tribe because Joseph was so important, as well as um, Levi didn't get land because he was part of the, um, you know, he's a priest, the priest, uh, the priesthood. So they didn't get land. They got the inheritance of the, of the, um, of the worship. Uh, I don't know. I get confused here, but anyways, Manasseh up here. Okay. That's the east part of Manasseh. This part here, that's the west part of Manasseh. That's just one of Joseph's tribes. Second one is Ephraim here. This is like the, like where Shiloh is. This is like a beautiful spot of uh, fertile land within the, city, the, the land of Israel. So they got these, both of these beautiful, amazing pieces of land. And, and one of them's like this huge piece, Manasseh. It's just huge. So I always, I, as I, I'm just kind of giving you that context because it makes sense as you kind of go through this. So let me go to the next, um, uh, to, the, to the scripture here. Remember, again, so people of Joseph, they're given those two plots of land and it's, it's just like this, this abundance of land. And let's talk about this, uh, the next scripture as, you, as we go here. So the people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. So you imagine, like, they get this abundant amount of land, more than almost than anybody else up there. And then they're saying, well, we're numerous people. We're, we're blessed people. Lord has blessed us abundantly. Why, why, why do we only get this, this bit of land? To me, that seems kind of, you know, like they're being whiners. Um, if you look at that map again, you know, some of, some of the most de- desired and fertile land was in, within that. And it's a huge inheritance. It's kind of like we are given Christ as an inheritance. And we complain about it sometimes. People are kind of acting ungrateful. And, but there is a tension here. So it's somewhat, they're being ungrateful, but there's still this sense that there's more. So let's go to the next verse. It says, If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go into the forest and clear land for yourselves. There in the land of the Perizzites and the Raphites. Again, sorry about the ites. 
totally can totally get it if you don't know what that. I, I, I imagine the Perizzites and the Rephites where they they, they they were they lived up in the hill country, um, you know, kind of like Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear or something from from us. That's just my that's what I think of. But those there's mountain people up there and they're. Um, you know, that's just the, the way I see it. But I actually looked it up on the internet, and they're, they're, those guys are all dead. So um, these uh, parasites, and they don't live anymore. So I haven't, I don't know what they look like, but I'm sure they were kind of scary. Anyways, the people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the plain, they have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Bethshan and its settlements, and those in the valley of Jezreel. So the people of Joseph, Joseph are like, no way, we're not going up there. That's like, there's like rednecks up there. And, and they have four-wheel drives and gun racks and stuff. And that's, that's, they're scary. And again, it might not really fit with the narrative, but just go with me for, for a minute because that's, that's how I see it. So um, let's go to the next verse. But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. So, see, if I was in jo- Joshua's position, I would be like, you guys just stop complaining. You got plenty of land. But there's this tension between having enough and saying, look, maybe you're right. Go out. And conquer that the rest of the land. Your your possibilities are really limitless. When I, I again, like like you think, I, I read this chapter initially, and I thought Joshua is kind of just being sarcastic with him, like like oh, so you think you're so cool? Well, then go up there and you know take care of those people with the gun racks and the you know four wheel drives, um, the, the rednecks. I, I don't know, but they, they, they was basically. This sense, like, I read it first and I thought, oh, yeah, he's, he's just being kind of sarcastic with them. But he's not. He's being this amazing leader that says, you know what, you're right. I get it. Um, but there's something in your, in your own lives. There's something in your own midst that you need to conquer. So what's the secret to being Fearless. To being courageous. How do, how do we strike this balance between contentment and complacency? And I'm reminded here of, of Paul, of the words of Paul in Philippians. And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul's sitting in Philippians and he's writing a, a letter to his, to, um, to the, to the Philippians and he's saying, he's saying, uh, like, I'm in jail, but I have joy. It's all about joy. And, and really about contentment, about being content in your circumstances. So, talks about how joyful he feels for the gifts that they've given him. And in Philippians 4, verse 11 through 13, if you can bring that up, Paul says this to the Philippians. He says, look, I'm not saying this because I'm, need, I'm in need. In other words, I'm not saying I'm joyful because I'm, uh, you've... you've gifted me this stuff because I'm in need. No, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Amen. So I can do all this through, th- through him who gives me strength. And so what's the secret that Paul found out and that Joshua found out of living 
fearlessly, of having this courage that's beyond all understanding. It's, it's really living a life that's, that's focused on Christ, that realizes that I, in and of myself, me standing up here teaching this to you, um, you know, I'm, I'm weak, I don't have it all, but Christ through me is my strength. See, Paul had it right, and, and Joshua had it right. The secret is him who gives me strength. Him who gives me strength. It's not our own ability, but in the powerful name of Jesus that we balance being content with our own lives, content with what God has given us, and yet be ready for action. So the secret to contentment and courage is Christ who gives us strength. So, that's it. Yeah, That's the secret. So how often does God call us to take the next hill? To, to clear out an area of our life, to grow into a more complete version of His will for us? Do we take advantage of our gifts or talents, which He has blessed us with, or are we too scared? Do we truly believe that God has blessed us with abundance, with enough? You know, often the life God is calling us to is right in front of our faces. It's right in our midst. It's right in our own territory. It's in our own lives. God's calling us to clear out the hill country in our life. So what are the forested hill countries of your life? What are those things that make you scared, that worry you, that you, know, that you just aren't, aren't, aren't ready to take that next hill? For some of us, it's an area of our life that we haven't cleaned up yet. And when we think of it, we shudder with fear. It's scary. What will people think of us? We don't believe God has the power to help us clear the enemy out of this scary forest. <laughs> but the God who stopped the rivers from flowing, and the God who stopped the sun in the sky, just a couple chapters earlier, He's the same God. He's the same God that can change our lives. I mean, this same Heavenly Father, He sent His Son Jesus Christ, to provide victory over those areas in our lives that need to be cleared out. It's not about us having to do it. It's Christ in us. But how often do we play it safe with our inheritance? How often do we kind of say, I'm, I'm good, I, I'm good with my life now here? How often does God call us to, be, to make a more, have a more significant role in His kingdom and we just don't believe we can do it? You know, we're afraid. Maybe it's taking your, talking to your neighbor about Christ or inviting them to church or maybe it's simply bringing them coffee or inviting them over for dinner and just having relationships with people that are not Christ followers. How often does that, that, that God calling us just to the next forested hill in our neighborhood? And we're just kind of scared about it. I know that's something that I struggle with. So sometimes the forested hill countries are something in our own lives that we need to clear out. Sometimes it's, it's God asking us to branch out. And maybe it's something personal. Um, you know, as a, as, as, as a, as a person who I, I talk to a lot of people um, about their own personal growth as a leader as well. Um, 
Sometimes it's something like as simple as applying for that job that God, you feel like God's calling you to something new. But you're scared. You just don't feel like you quite have all the credentials or you don't feel like you're quite ready to make that leap. I, I, I had this recently. Um, about nine, I guess it's been almost a year now um, that I've been leading um, the clinician-patient communication group for all of Southern California in, in Kaiser Permanente. It sounds like a big job and, and it's scared to... But Jesus out of me. I don't know if that's allowed up here. But um, it scared me uh, to, to actually apply for that position because I just felt like, yeah, I have the experience, but I'm not sure. I just don't see myself in that position. Maybe there's something like that for you. God's calling you to make a bigger influence in your own personal sphere of influence. He's God, your heavenly Father, is really calling you to be courageous and take that part of your inheritance that's right in front of you. So he's asking us to just have no fear. I mean, how many times in, in the New Testament do we hear that? Fear not. Fear not. For I'm with you. He's promising that to us. So it's really the, the promise of, of Jesus' presence in our lives. So as he's calling us to grow in our own lives, in our own forested hill country, it's full of adventure and, and promise and possibility. But as leaders in our family and in our workplace and our communities, and we, again, are all leaders, can you imagine if the next generation of leaders had this confidence in Christ, this confidence in their gifts, and yet they were fearless in making a difference and going out and changing the world? And so that's the kind of leader that I want to grow in my own, my own uh, family, um, that's the kind of leaders that I hope that we, we see in this church. Um, and that was the kind of leader that Joshua was. See, he was in, so encouraging in that moment. He could have just been like, you guys whine too much. But no, he said, I'm going to encourage you to be bold, to go up into those hill countries and take that land. And God's calling us to be bold in this moment. So I don't know where this all lands with you. I don't know what this looks like for you. Um, but I do know that each one of us in this room, we have specific talents and gifts that God has given us. God's given us plenty, overabundance. And this is our inheritance from our Heavenly Father. So I know that God has a plan for your life. Not only for your personal life, the things that need to be changed within your own life, but you as a leader... I know he has a plan for this church. We've been blessed with so much. We've been blessed with a, a spot in, this, in the middle of this city. So God's calling you to be content with what you've been given. But he's calling you to be courageous in him and go out and be uncomfortable. So, so let's be a church. Let's be a church that's fearless. Let's be a church that's fearless in our pursuit of Christ. Let's spread God's kingdom throughout this city of Redlands, throughout the Inland Empire, and throughout the world. Just, let's just be fearless. I know it's hard. I know it doesn't feel like we can do it, but, but with Christ in us, let's be fearless. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you 
for your strength, for, for, for being the one who we can lean on in, in this scary stuff. God, I just ask that you would give us the wisdom to, to, to know what these areas of our lives are. That those areas of, li- of our lives that are the, the forested hill country that we're scared of. God, I just ask that you would be with us as we clear those areas, as we take that next step. God, I just ask you that you give us the courage to be fearless. To be fearless in your presence. Because we know that it's not through us, it's through you.